Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I am Heath, the lead pastor, getting closer every day to the senior pastor. That's a running joke here because of my age. Um, so uh, I do want to thank uh, Simon and Hannah for leading for us this morning. Thank you very much. Um, our very own worship leader, Megan and Deacon, are celebrating their anniversaries right now. So they're away. So that's why they're here. Thank you. Southern Ponds uh, is our home church. Uh, if you're here for our 10-year anniversary, uh, their senior pastor was here and preached that Sunday. And uh, they're the reason, for good or bad, why we're here. So if you're really happy we're here, it's all Grace Churches. Um, doing. If you're not happy that we're here, it's their fault too. <laughs> Just kidding. That didn't go as well as I thought. Okay. Um, so I got a question for you. And I know every Sunday I almost always say, you know, don't raise your hand to whatever question um, that I'm going to ask. But this question and this question only, um, you can participate if you want. Um, and I do have one rule to this. Your person beside you cannot make you raise your hand to this. Okay. So this has to be your own doing. How many self-proclaimed procrastinators do we have in the room? Okay, okay. <laughs> yep. Okay, today is going to, I told you, I promised this fall is the fall of uncomfortableness uh, at, at Reach Community Church. And so I'm going to make all of our procrastinators um, a little uncomfortable today. Uh, but I do want to say for those that didn't raise their hand and feel like they're just doing an amazing job is to some extent or not, every single one of us in this room are procrastinators. Every one of us in this room has something that needs to be done that we aren't doing. All of us. And I've got a list of things, and this isn't going to touch everybody, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, when was the last time you changed your sheets? You're like, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, some of you are like every Friday. Others are like, I'm not sure. <laughs> when was the last time you scrubbed your toilet? You know, you know, just, you know, just things that we don't want to do. Okay, I got this was one that, you know, unless you're that person, you probably haven't done in a while. And today you'll go home and start looking at them. When was the last time you scrubbed your baseboards in your house? Oh, yeah. Every time I go into our little side bathroom, I'm like, man, someone needs to get in here and clean this. <laughs> When was the last time for, yeah, I want to be an equal opportunity offender here. When was the last time you exercised? Yeah, that's right. She's like, me, just today. Um, when was the last time you thought and are actively doing it of getting your diet under control? I just want to get across the board. There are lots of things that we know we should be doing that we aren't doing. It just It just happens. Partly because our world demands a lot of us, our relationships demand a lot of us, and we only have 24 hours in the day, and some part of that 24 hours, we must sleep. So, I'm going to spend this morning talking about the idea that uh, a lot of these things that are left undone, they're left undone until we feel a necessity to do them. Like, you don't think about... For those that are homeowners or have in-laws, you don't think about how clean your house is until you have an in-law coming into town. You, you, you don't think about things that are undone until you have, like for those community group leaders, the first community group 
that you had at your house, you're looking at your house differently than you would have before they came over. You're like, oh man, this I, I knew I should have painted that wall. There's all these things that we left undone until there's a necessity to do them. Until you go to the doctor and he tells you, you better get your you know, weight under control or your diet under control or you're on the verge of being diabetic or all these other things. There's usually lots of reasons why we can postpone doing the things that we know that we should. Today, I want to look at this idea, the idea that we're called to be ready for the return of the Savior, which he is coming back. And we don't know the day, and if you were hopeful that today you would learn that day so that you know when you need to start getting ready for his return, you won't get it from here. And anyone that does tell you that day that he's returning, they're a liar. Uh, If that's a church you're visiting, leave, uh, because that day will come and pass. Um, But we'll talk about that in a second. I want to do this um, partly because uh, for those that read your one your Bible, we're going to be in First Thessalonians 5 today, almost the whole chapter of 5. And I want to deal with this reality that um, it's time for us to wake up. We cannot postpone doing things that we know we need to do for our spiritual life. And, and I've said this over and over as we've been going through this whole year of uh, living Jesus is greater. Most of our issues, if not all of our issues, are areas of our life that we're unwilling to bend to submission to the lordship of Christ. And we allow things that we know that we shouldn't be operating in or dealing with or playing with or whatever to have rule or reign without dealing with them. And so today I want us to look at the word and be challenged by it. So let's pray. Dearly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that we even have the option to get ready for you. Lord, it is only by your power of your Holy Spirit that we rest in and rely in that we have the capacity to live a life that is ready. Lord, we don't have the capacity in our own being, in our own effort, in our own energy to do all the things that you've called us to do, but we have that power and that ability with you. So as we look through this lens of getting ready, Lord, I pray that we would not adopt strategies for the things that we do alone, independently of you, but we would look at strategies of how we partner with what you're doing that we submit to you in a greater way and we begin to allow you into areas of our life that we need help in. So, Lord, let your word speak to us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the church of Thessalonica was born in Acts 17 uh, by Paul and Silas. They were on a missionary journey. They spent a month preaching the gospel. And guess what? People responded. Both Jews and Gentiles became followers of a new king. Persecution was poured out on these new followers just because they served Jesus. Rome didn't like, never liked, someone else proclaiming themselves to be king. They wanted to be the supreme ruler, and they didn't want anything else competing with that. And so there was heavy persecution. It was outright fear for their lives for Paul and Cyrus, and they fled the city. 
Today's text comes out of the first letter sent to encourage these new believers. And here's the beauty of this. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 about this group of people. It says, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. This wasn't, uh, and this is one of the few, this was a letter written to a church that was actually doing good, that was suffering well, that was living well, and this was an encouragement letter. We've read through lots of different sections of scriptures of letters that were written to churches that had lots of issues. This wasn't necessarily the case with this church. Paul sends this letter to encourage and build the church. And in spite of their suffering, they were succeeding. The, the overarching like message of this whole book had this idea of holiness, of love, and a future hope. And we're going to talk about that future hope today, being in First Thessalonians, um, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need... Um, to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So he's writing to a church because most of them, like the disciples before Jesus, well, after he left, they're like, when are you going to set up your kingdom? When are you going to make things right? The early church, just like we today, are waiting for the return of Jesus. And there was lots of speculation coming on. And there was actually people coming in and saying, hey, he's come and, and this is happening. And, and kind of stirring the people away from the truth and hope. And so he's writing this letter to them saying, hey, I don't need to write to you to tell you that you have no idea when he's returning. This is what he said, like in, in Matthew 24, verse 42, listen to this. It says, therefore, stay awake, which is kind of the theme of today. For you do not know what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. I'm a little concerned my own life at times that we don't act like he is returning. We act like we can do whatever we want and that we'll have time. I don't know how many people I've had conversations with over the 20 years of my ministry career of going, well, I've got time. Well, I'll, I'll ch I'm going to change this. I know this is an issue and I'm going to fix this and I'm going to do that. And it's always future. <laughs> the problem with a lot of our good intentions, that future never comes. That day that we finally decide to get up and start acting different, finally decide that we're going to be the husband or father or employee or servant of the king that we are designed to be. And part of that is because we think that we still have time to do it. And the reality is, um, although the day and return of the king is unknown, the other thing that's unknown is you, in you and in me, is how long you will have here in this world. There's so many things. I think over the last two years, um, not to talk about COVID, but um, it's brought the reality that we don't know. There's so many things that are unknown, so many things that are outside of our control, we have no power over. 
And we don't want to be caught unaware. Verse 3, it says, while people are saying, this is uh, funny, so they're, they're saying, hey, we don't know when he's going to come. It's going to be like a thief in the night. And it says, verse 3, it says, while people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So um, what I didn't know, I read this in a commentary this week, this was propaganda speech. This is kind of poking fun at Rome. Rome had this propaganda message. They, you would have it everywhere. With Rome, there's peace and safety. With Rome, there's peace and safety. And, and, and Paul's kind of poking fun at this reality because people are going around like, hey, there's peace and security. We're good. Everything's fine. There's nothing to worry about. And he's saying, hey, Rome isn't the ultimate authority that says there's peace and security. Because unlike um, then, there is no Rome like there was then. They're gone. And if you've been reading through um, Jeremiah and all the other prophets that we've had in the one-year Bible lately, you realize that uh, kingdoms come and go. Babylon, you know, ruled and reigned, but their rule and reign was... Temporary, you know, they had the people of God 70 years. They declared it and people would come and go, this is the day we're coming back. All the stuff's going to come back to the temple and you're going to be um, you're going to be released. And Jeremiah's like, no, nah, buddy, you're wrong. And actually, that prophet died that, that year. Um, so we don't know. We don't have the security. So even though and I think, honestly, part of our danger for procrastinating um, our really surrendered life to Jesus is because of um, the peace and security that we have right now. Not many of the, of us in this room are struggling for your life. You're fighting for something to have enough food today to exist off, or you're living in a homeless state. Most of us, and you may not have as much as you want, but most of us in this room are in the top, Five percentile of the wealthiest people on this planet. And you may be like, I don't feel like that. Partially because you've only experienced the grace of living inside a state that you have freedoms and security and a government that is, you know, doing whatever they do to help that happen. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. But sometimes the peace and security is a dangerous place to be in. How easy is it when times are good to get lazy? I read this in a book, and I've mentioned it here. Um, one of the most dangerous places that your marriage can be in is good. Because when marriage is good and things are going pretty well, it's easy to get lazy and be like, well, you know, I don't have to devote as much time because I have this big project that's going on. And the reality is, is when things are good, even with our health, you could be looking at yourself, well, I don't need to exercise and I don't eat, need to eat as well right now because you think I'm healthy. And that could change in a moment. We can even get lazy with our financial stability. We can think, man, there's money in the bank and my job is secure and that can change tomorrow. Verse 4 says, but you are not in darkness, brothers. For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night 
or of the darkness. And, and kind of understanding this reality, the, the picture that are giving us and what you see all throughout the Bible, God is listed in this giver of light. When things are light, that's usually purity, that's usually goodness, darkness is usually sin and danger. And he's saying, hey, you don't, you aren't, you aren't misled by this because you're not children that are living in this darkness. You're living in the light. They knew and were ready. The question is this morning, something you're going to hit over and over again today is, are you ready? We're called to be children of light in a darkened world. And if you're on social media and if you turn on your TV and you're not completely oblivious, you will understand that the darkness is increasing. I mean, we the flag at our library is half-masked. Why is it half-masked? Because a 15-year-old in our state, in our state, in a small town, I actually met a guy last night that went to church with this person. He went to this church in Raleigh. And five plus people are not alive today because this is this is here in the the Bible Belt and, you know, in this place. And we're surrounded by things that we're even unaware of. I don't know if you've heard of the statistics for sex trafficking. (laughs) See, we're we're we live in this kind of bubble where like we don't we're not touched by it. So we think it's not around us. In your neighborhood, in houses that are near you, there are people struggling to the point of death with depression and other things that you have no idea about. Because we live in this place that is ever darkened. And we're called to be the light in that darkness. Just because you ignore the darkness, the brokenness, and the sinfulness of this world doesn't mean that it will leave you alone. See, we cannot... As a church or as believers choose to be like, well, I'm going to do me and I'm going to do the best that I can and I ignore everything that's around us. And I don't mean that you are going to go take over the world and change everything because I don't think that's possible. Hear me, hear me. Um, 2024, regardless of who gets elected, there will not be a person that will be put into a position that will free us from this mess that we're in. There's not a man that's going to lead our country in any, any I'm about to denomination, but it's not denomination, in any party that's going to set us free from sin in this world. But we're called to live in this place. And how do we live in this place? Here we go. Verse 6. It says, So then let us not sleep. As others do, but let us keep awake and be sober, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk (laughs) are drunk at night. Wake up and live in the day. Light exposes darkness. And the truth is, and the question is of what's going on, is what are you hiding? And I say, I've said this a lot of times in here, and I know everybody looks around and be like, there are good people in this room. There's good people in this room that are hiding darkness. That's hurting you. That's hurting your family. That's, that's, that seems hidden, but it's not. 
It won't, nothing in your life will stay hidden forever. We cannot. And see, we, we toy with darkness. And what he's saying here is, is, let us not sleep because those that sleep, they sleep at night when there is darkness, but they're awake during the day. And that doesn't mean like if you've got good sleep patterns then you'll be okay. Like, well, I'm going to stay away from the darkness. I'm going to sleep when the sun goes down. It's more talking about our lifestyle. Are we choosing to live in the light? Verse 8. It says, but since we belong to the day, those who belong to Jesus, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. This is going back into the armor of God. Look, look, for those non-army people, which I was not one, anytime I talk about something that I'm not really aware of, I make dumb mistakes, but I'm smart enough to understand the most the most place that we need protection is our chest, which is where most of our major organs are. And, and these things that are in this area of our body, if they're not there, we don't live. And this thing right here uh, is also a very dangerous place for us to um, get injured. And so he's saying, hey, protect this. And he's saying, protect your heart. <laughs> we, we have the ability... And the capacity to put our heart out for so many things. And protect our minds. There's so many of us, and I say this all the time. Our lives would be so much better if we limited what we allowed to come into our brain. If we, if we monitored, and I, you know, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of social media, I mean... I think we would all be better if we just got rid of it. And I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to praise myself this morning, down 17% screen time last week. <laughs> oh, it just, it pops up on Sunday. I think, I think God was like, I'm going to give everybody their screen time about the time they go to church. So when they look like, man, I've done a good job, you're like, oh, up 45, I've spent how many hours on my phone? And if you click on it, it breaks down what you've spent that time on. Mm. You should look at it more closely. It might challenge you to get off things. But if we belong to the day and we want to guard our hearts and guard our minds, we have to be intentional about it. He's saying you have to put it on. We can't just go like, hey, you know, like God has my heart and God has my mind. He says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's an active thing. We have to put it on. And you have to, one, not only eliminate or guard what comes into your mind. But you have to be intentional when those things come on because you could be like, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I'm not on social media. I watch what I watch. But the, the problem with our life prior to Jesus is our brain has a, a good record filing system that can pull up things at any point. And we have to, as they come into our head, take them captive to be obedient to Christ. Because the enemy and our own flesh and our own sinful nature will love to speak old truths to us as present truths. Verse 9. It says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but, has, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. There is nothing, Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. 
And he's saying, hey, right before five, it talked about, hey, those that have already fallen asleep, meaning those that are already dead, when Christ comes back, they'll be the first that meet him in the sky as he comes and sets things right. And he will. He is. And it doesn't, and I wrote this in here, and I think sometimes I say this, people get offended. It doesn't matter when. The date, the time, the season. What matters is that we're ready and we're looking for his return. Verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. So this is praise to this church. And then it continues on. He has this whole little section, two verses. I'm not going to read them. Where he says that you should honor those that are shepherding over you. That you should pour into them and thank them for their service because they're helping. And not just me. There's so many people in this church from from our staff to our elders to people that leave small groups that are literally pouring out their lives for people in this church. And he's saying, hey, we need those people. And then he goes into this idea of what do we do with this, starting in verse 14. He said, we, we urge you, brothers, admonish, it means warn the idle, the procrastinators, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. There are things for us to do. And this is why it's so important. And this is why I want you to come. If you're part of REACH and you're kind of here, but you're not here, come to Pizza with a Pastor. Because you, you need to know whether this is the place for you. You need to figure out, if you're going to go to a church, you need to know what they believe. Because once you know that they're on the right track, then you need to connect to the people. And this is one thing that we say here a lot. If your intention is just to participate on Sunday morning, we're grateful. But you're missing the majority of what God wants to do through a church. It is connected to the individuals. It is connected to the people. Because he's saying right here, we need people that are going to admonish or warn the idle. When you get idle, when I get late, I love the guys that I have around me that like when I get lazy, when I don't show up for a workout, when I don't do something, they'll be like, where are you at? I love the guys that are like, when we're doing a study or we're doing something or a memory verse, they're like, hey, where I need that that fire being stoked, and we need it for us, I believe, wholeheartedly. Your natural inclination, and if this isn't you, I'm sorry. I speak in generalization sometimes. Neutral is our favorite slot. Neutral. Not even reverse, like we're going in the wrong day. It's just neutral. And we need people to constantly be going, hey, we need to be in drive. We need to be moving forward. Verse 15, it says, See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Whew. Man, I tell you what, um, that's hard. Don't repay evil for evil, because there, there are people that we're going to, as we live as children in the light, in a darkened world, we're going to be hit in the face with evil. We're going to be hit in the face with things done to us. 
And what is going to determine or really show the world who Jesus is to us is how we respond. And remember, these words weren't spoken to a church in a place of stability and comfort. This was spoken to a church that was literally losing possessions and being thrown in jail because of their belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he's telling them, hey, church, don't repay evil for evil because everyone else, all the other people, that's what they're going to do. When something negative happens to you, like I'm going to give it back to you and be like, tooth for a tooth. Verse 16. If you're looking for a memory verse and you want one real short, short, this is it right here. First Thessalonians 5, 16. Just remember it. Rejoice always. There you go. Memory verse today. Rejoice always. But then you're like, well, if I memorize that, then i got to live that. What, what does rejoice always look like when there's not things always to rejoice? It means that you're trusting God that in spite of what it looks like right now, He is doing something with this pain or suffering that we're potentially going with. Verse 17, it says, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, this is a hard. Whew. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Whew. Sit on this. When do we rejoice? Always. When do we pray? Always. When do we give thanks? Always. See, the danger is that we, will, we love to give God praise when we feel like He deserves it, when things are good for us. It's difficult for us to give praise to God when things aren't going good for us. And what He's saying here is rejoice always, pray without, seeing, without um, ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. The right view of Jesus gives us this ability. And if this is a struggle, it doesn't mean that you're not a child of God. It just means that you need to change your perspective. Does your view of Jesus give you this? Verse 19. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. For those that are taking experience of God in this cycle, which we highly recommend, have you stopped looking for God moving, working, giving, and healing around you? Sometimes we, we can be so devastated by what's going on in our own life that we stop looking for God around us. And let me just tell you, when you're not looking for God around you, you won't see Him. But, like experience of God, tells us that if we look for God, He's always active. God has not fallen asleep. For those that, uh, you know, remember Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal, he mocks them and said, well, maybe, you, maybe your God has gone to the bathroom. Maybe your God is asleep. Maybe you need to yell louder and wake him up. Our God does not sleep. Our God does not take a break. He has not departed the room. He is present. Always. And if we take 
and make a habit for us to look around, we'll see him. And I'm telling you, when you begin to see God moving in areas of your life, it will change you. Because what the enemy wants to do is to blind your vision. It actually says this a lot in the, in the gospel. It says that they would be ever seeing but never perceiving. They'd be ever hearing but never understanding. He would love for you to see the hand of God and not call it the hand of God. And then think to yourself, God is absent. Verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls is faithful. He will surely do it. I think for probably the first Five years of ministry. Um, I, ha- I wouldn't say this because this wasn't my theology, but this was my practical theology. It was work harder. That if things aren't going well, you just need to do more. You need to, you, do, you need to do this. You need to do that. It was always an active side of us. And I'm not saying that you don't need to do things. I'm talking about it changes our mentality because what he's saying here, it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The work that needs to be done in us will not be done by you working harder. <laughs> Actually, if you look at Second Corinthians when it talks about, you know, where, where is our power made? Our power is made perfect in our weakness. So honestly, if you stopped working and acknowledged the weakness that is there and ask God to participate in that weakness, there's a power that will be unlocked in us. One phrase you'll probably start hearing me say a little bit more, and it's been written at the bottom of my notes, along with there's prayer in the back. Sometimes I miss that at the end. Um, Is this idea of live it. If you come here and hear things that sound good and choose to do nothing with them, I've missed an opportunity to help you change. Things that sound good and make you feel good in the moment that doesn't change the way you think or act won't do you any good. So what does it look like for us to pull our head out of the sand and engage? In this crazy world, God is still king and his kingdom is still coming. How do we learn to stand Firm in the truth. Well, we admonish, we encourage, we help, we be patient, and we keep praying. Look, I don't know where you're slumbering. I don't know where um, you're not ready and not awake. And this isn't a message for me to make you feel bad. Because also, making you feel bad doesn't change anything either. Actually, If I make you feel bad enough that you don't rely on the power of God to change that and lighten your heart, you'll eventually go away. Because no one wants to feel bad. My goal is not to make you feel bad. My goal is to get you engaged. My goal is for you to decide that the most valuable thing that you can do is not amass wealth that's going to be handed down to someone else when you leave this planet but to catch sight of a kingdom vision that he has given us 
We talked about this a couple weeks ago with this, like, who's your person? We need to understand that every single person in here that considers himself a child of God and a disciple is called to be a disciple maker. And that may mean that you enter into a season of being a disciple, serious about it, to learn how to do those things, but we are never left off the hook of the mission that God has called us to. Because if you want the most out of this world, it's going to come from surrendering here. It's going to come from you deciding that I'm not going to sleep anymore. And I say this a lot. And it's a drum that I'll beat until you're tired of it or you leave listening to it. Your primary source for you not sleeping and staying in a place of being awake is being a person that chooses to stay in the Word of God. If that's not happening in your life, this isn't judgment of being like, oh, I'm a horrible person, I shouldn't be here. No, this is, this is a message from the Holy Spirit to say, your life and faith and understanding of who God is is going to come out of the Word. Because if you don't have the Word, you will listen to someone else say things about the Word that might be wrong. And, and you'll follow a, a, a path and a, a pursuit that may not even be God. So where are you not ready? And here, here's what I'd like. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. Um, we put a song at the end of every one of our messages because I believe that right now is the best time for you to say, hey, like what is God asking of me? And so here, here's, three, here's three more minutes, four more minutes, and how long the song is, uh, of your life, um, that you have the capacity just to ask the Holy Spirit, where do I need to wake up? And what, what I would challenge you to is to walk away from this last few minutes of this service with something that you feel like God has said, work on this. And then what I would ask you to do on top of that, when God says to do something, you need people around you that are going to admonish and they're going to speak into your life and encourage you and hold you accountable to that thing. So if you decide today that I need, this is something I need to work on, then I challenge you to tell somebody else in this room. Maybe your spouse, if you're married, is a, is a great person to start with. If, if you have a group already, then I challenge you. I, I love when I feel like God has asked me to do something to tell other people because it forces me to do the thing that I know that I should be doing anyway. And that's what we want to do here. If we're going to be awake and ready for the return of Jesus, then we have to be participating now, prep, preparing. Soldiers don't get thrown into the war when the war starts. They prepare for that moment. And we cannot be ready for something that we're not preparing for. So I encourage you. What does that look like? And maybe it's as simple as I need to take time every day to be in the Word. Maybe it is literally going, man, I, I've been really delinquent in my prayer life. Because he said prayer always. And maybe you, 
get a list and you start praying over that list every day. Maybe it's memorizing scripture. Maybe it's leading a small group. Maybe it is finding that person and just pouring out your life. And let me say it. The journey of the kingdom is long. It, it is, it is I, 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 people always say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's not a marathon. It's like an ultra marathon, which I'm not a fan of, by the way. Running over five miles is just ridiculous. Um, but it, it, it continues to go, and, and the best thing that we can do right now is just start moving. Let's pray. Lord, any conviction that doesn't come from you isn't helpful. But a conviction that comes from you that moves us to acting, trusting, and living with you and for you changes everything. So right now, as we go into this last song, as we think about where in our life are we dormant? Where, where's our, our faith taking that backseat of like, when I have time, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with an urgency to make our readiness for your return a priority in what we do every day. Lord, because we acknowledge that our preparedness for your kingdom will make us better husbands and wives, and better moms and dads, and better citizens of this country that you've placed us in. Lord, let us be children of the light that live in the light. Lord, I pray that right now that you would just expose darkness or things that we know that we're hiding know that are hurting us Lord I pray that today we would free ourselves that we would step into the light that we would confess that sin not only to you or that darkness not only to you that, but we would confess that to someone else and that we'd be, begin to walk in your grace Lord, I thank you for your patience Thank you that you choose the broken, the ones far down on the list, and you call us up to your glory and to your grace. Lord, we need you. We're desperate for your grace in our lives. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.